0: Good morning, and morning to those joining us online and on the phone. I talked to one of our saints that can only join us on the phone. Yesterday, had a nice chat, and uh, I, I have to remember that there are people that only hear the audio, and sometimes I start talking a little faster than I can think, and that's not always easy uh, when you're listening just on the phone because you can't have the reference of the lips. Um, i want to I want to give kudos to one of our pastors uh Doug Baker uh, did a funeral for uh, Chuck and Diane uh, Lucas for their brother in law um, Doug had never met him um, but was asked to officiate and Pastor Kurt and I were able to be there at Eintima on friday and um it might not be the best funeral I've ever uh witnessed but I can't, I don't know one that was better. Um, I've never seen Doug do a funeral from beginning to end, uh, and it was, that man loves the Lord, and he, he, he loves, he loves his, he, he loves God's people, so um, it was just interesting to stand and, well, there he is now, he's being talked about. Um, I, I, he wasn't in here, so I thought I could get away with this. Um, <laughs> It is just such a privilege to, when I get the opportunity to sit with one of our ministry staff in particular and just see how God uses them. Um, it's not proud, and I'm not feeling, I didn't get all swelled up, but just, just knowing how God has gifted different people to do different things in different ways. Um, so uh, what, what I was saying when you walked in is I've, I've seen a bunch of funerals. Um, it may not be the best one that I've seen, but it was, I don't know of one that was better on Friday. So um, the one you did. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. So uh, with that said, I'm going to offer a prayer. We're going to get into John chapter 11. It's a relatively lengthy passage. It's a story that almost everybody is familiar with. They're at least familiar with, a, with the name of the person that Jesus does a miracle for. But there's some really cool stuff going on in here. Um, and there's going to be a few verses at the end of the chapter that I'm going to read because they do, <clears throat> they do play in Remember we talked about that John likes to talk about lightness and darkness, um, and he he there's always there 's the story, and then there 's why he put it here and what is being communicated and there 's the things that the context of it what 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 Jesus is doing when he raises Lazarus from the dead is a miracle in and of itself. What Jesus says and the doubts of the people are, are significant, but there 's something that happens immediately after this story um, that, that speaks, it speaks to what was going on in the story as well. So hopefully when we get through this, you'll know what that cryptic little foreshadowing meant. Um, let's pray together. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are, for what you do in us, for what you do for us, and for what you plan to do through us. Lord, you have created us to do good works, which you've planned in advance for us to do. We are to do those good works in such a way that you get glory, not us. We pray, Lord, that in these moments of hearing your living word read and expounded upon a bit, that you speak to us, your people. It's your message for us, not my message for them. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, through the power of the Spirit, who you told us in John 14 through 16 that, that you would send and now we have, for the glory of our Father who sent both Jesus and the Spirit. Amen. So, a couple of things to know about this passage before we get into it. One is. This is the, the shortest. It's not actually the shortest verse in the scriptures, but we like to say it is. Um, when someone needs to memorize scripture, they always go, I know, Jesus wept. Um, so that's in this passage. But there's some other things that are in this passage. That I'm just going to let you know so that when we read it, it can, maybe it'll kind of jump out. Uh, one is there, it, it says that uh, Jesus saw her, speaking both of Martha and then Mary, um, saw her crying. And the word there is clot." Iō, klaio, um, and it, it it means to cry or to wail or to lament. It's a loud expression of pain and sorrow. So I want to ask you to think back to when you've seen people in the Middle East after some attack, one way or the other, and the the tradition there today was the, a similar tradition there in Jesus' time. Is that when you died, you were buried on that day. You needed to be buried before sunset. And one of the ways that the Jewish people mourned is that everyone would gather and they would weep out loud. I mean, people would even fall to their knees and pound on their chest. But it wasn't quiet, dignified, grieving like we have convinced ourselves we need to do. It was loud. It was guttural. It was visceral. It was, it was from, from your toes to your head and out your mouth. So when when we hear that that one of uh, both times when we hear about a woman in this particular passage crying and those who came to grieve with her, the cla'io is the is the word used, and that is loud, guttural, visceral grieving. When we hear that Jesus wept, it's dakru'o, and that is he shed to shed tears or to lament with tears. So it is a little quieter. But there's another piece in this passage that I don't think we normally put upon Jesus when we think about it. Because we hear, and I had a question a couple of weeks ago about in, who was, someone who was reading the Gospel of Mark and said that Jesus was moved with compassion. Um, I think it was when he was healing the leper. Uh, and moved with compassion, that is one way we think of Jesus being moved. And that's like a, almost like a gut punch is, is, the, is, the, is the word that's being communicated. It, it's actually his... his his intestines moved, not in, a, not in a way that we think about, but, but it was like he got punched in the gut. It, it was such a, they felt things in their gut, we feel it in our heart. So it was like he was deeply moved. Here, you'll hear it, that, that Jesus was deeply moved, but it's a different word here. It's abrimo, <laughs> my Greek is rusty. Embrimaomai, uh, and it means to snort like a horse to be indignant, to be st- to strongly admonish, to be angry. And I don't think we normally see Jesus, except when he's flipping the tables in the temple. We don't normally think of him as angry. But, but when it says that he was deeply moved, and then again he was deeply moved, that's what's going on. There's an anger that's boiling up in Jesus, the Son of God, the God incarnate, who it, it, when he's experiencing the death of a friend. Now I'll explain a little bit more about what's going on there, but I want you to just watch out, uh, watch out for some of those things. The other thing to watch out for are that there's three ifs: if you would have been here, if you would have been here, and there's another time they don't use the word if, but it's but it's surely if he can do this, he could have done this. Um, that that that's what John is focusing on, and then the passage that follows this story is also in a way, it's, it's, it's doubt and it's thinking that we have knowledge and missing what God is doing. So it reads like this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was, uh, now was uh, lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So Basically, what John is doing here is he's saying, this person that you've all heard about, Mary, this is her brother. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I want to I pause there just for a second. I, I won't do this too often in this passage, but this is a little Bible nerdy thing. There is a theory out there because it says the one you love is sick. There's a theory in theological circles that is this John because John is the disciple Jesus loves? He's the beloved one. Um, And I I was asked about this a couple of weeks ago. I did my research. Has John died? The the apostle or the disciple at this point who becomes an apostle? Um, It's only a legend. It's only a connection that people made because of that. There is no evidence. I think we would have heard in the gospel, according to John, that John, if he had been the one who had been raised from the dead, we would know that. So this is someone that Jesus loves and knows well. He's, there's a tenderness with Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So they send word, and Lazarus was a very common name. We actually hear it in, in another gospel, in a parable that Jesus, used, that Jesus tells. So So if someone's sending word, if the person going to Jesus is telling him that, someone, that Lazarus is sick, how do you specify which Lazarus? It's the Lazarus that you know well, that you love like a brother. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, we're going to find out something if you do the math in all of this. Jesus is about a 12-hour walk away From Bethany, and when in a a while, and you'll you'll see this pop up when Jesus decides to leave and go to where Lazarus is lying, where he's dead. um, He waits two more days, and then there's a day journey, a twelve hour journey. So, and we hear that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. So when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, he's already dead. And Jesus, because he's the son of God, knows this. But he also knows the tradition, the history, that people go into the tomb right away and they don't consider someone all the way dead until the fourth day. They lie in a grave or they lie in the tomb for three days And then someone comes in to check, and if they smell the odors of decomposition, they know that the person is dead, dead, and now after three days, their soul rises up and separates from the body. That was the tradition. That was the understanding. So if someone were to be, if Jesus would have run over there real quick, made it there in eight hours because he was in a rush, and called Lazarus forth, people would have assumed that Jesus resuscitated someone who had been comatose. So Jesus heard that he was sick, and he stayed where he was. And then he said, uh, da, 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 um, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, uh, and, her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that, that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, which is where Jerusalem is, and Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. But Robbie... A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you, you're going to go back there? And Jesus answered, and this is the light and darkness, but also kind of communicates to us how long of a walk it is. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will stumble, or excuse me, will not stumble, for, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now, there's a little foreshadowing about what's coming upon the disciples after Jesus' death, but we'll leave that one there for time's sake. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, who doesn't get a whole lot of accolades in the scriptures, he's got a little sarcastic bent to him. Then Thomas called Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let's go so we can die with him. Because they, they, they know that there's a plot to kill Jesus. They know that if he comes back into Jerusalem, there's going to be people that want him dead. And so basically what Lazarus says is what you see in some movies, military movies, like, today's a good day to die. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in, their loss of the, in the loss of their brother. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village "'but was still at the place where Martha had met him. "'When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, "'comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. "'They followed her, supposing that she was going to go to the tomb to mourn there. "'When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, "'she fell at his feet and said, "'Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. "'When Jesus saw her weeping, that loud expression of pain and sorrow,' Excuse me, I just lost it. When Jesus saw her loud expression of pain and sorrow, and the Jews who had come along with her also expressing themselves loudly with sorrow, he was deeply moved. That's the anger thing. In spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come see, Lord. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said... Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, once more deeply moved, that's that anger, that, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone. So what's that anger? Jesus is the word of God. Jesus was what was spoken. The Son, Jesus is the historical figure, but the second person of the Trinity, is what was spoken to bring the world into existence. Some will argue that Jesus is the rationale, the reason, or the wisdom of God. There's there's more more there. The Trinity is, is fully God, all three of them, but they are together one. But Jesus was there at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in the beginning. God did not create the world to have death reign. This anger, this embriomai, this is Jesus, the God of the universe with skin on, looking at what the world has become and it angers him. It says, not how it's supposed to be. The prince of this world is destroying. Death, which is never supposed to have come, is now the enemy of even my friends. So Jesus wept quietly by the loss of his friend, but the anger that deeply troubled and moved inside is the God of the universe saying, enough This world is not to reflect evil and death and darkness and hatred and anger and bitterness. It's supposed to reflect the love, the compassion, the joy, the interconnected relationships of the Father, Son, and Spirit. We are supposed to be like He here on earth. We're supposed to participate with Him in all that He does. We're supposed to not be competitive. We're supposed to not be infirmed. We're supposed to not let death reign. But we, we are not the resurrection. We are not the life. So the one who is the resurrection and the life looks at what we experience. And and honestly, folks, I thank God that our condition makes him angry. I love his mercy. I love his joy. But what if we served a God who saw what we go through? And he went, nah, deal with it. But that is not the God we serve. That is not the God who made me, who made you. Jesus said, take, take away the stone. And still not getting it, which I wouldn't either if I were in that. But Lord, by this time there's a bad odor. For he's been, he's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I, t- did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out. And I don't know if it's like when my mom, when the street lights came on and I'm out in the neighborhood or I'm across the street where we grew up, where I grew up at the junior high, if my mom, when it was time to come for dinner, I don't know. I don't know if because she would she's southern, so she'd go, Trient! Troy! Fred. Dinner time I don't think it was like that. It says it was a loud voice, and because we know that that embrima omai, oh that oh, I think he's yelling at death. Lazarus, you come out. No more. And he does. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now there's a comedian that talks about this. Lazarus, he died. Awful. Now he's in heaven. Maybe after three days. I don't know exactly how it works. But he's sitting there hanging out with some of the people that he knew in his life. Maybe his dad's there. He sees his sister. I don't think we see earth. I hope we're not consumed with earth. I hope we're consumed with God. But some angel walks up to him. and goes, ah, dude, we don't do this very often. In fact, never happened before. You got to go back. I don't know how that worked. I don't. I do find that humorous. Kind of like when Job's second family asks, who are all the pictures of these other kids up on the... If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Couldn't he, who gave sight to the blind, have kept this man from dying? That's doubt. Masked with disappointment, with a sprinkle of blame. And this, I think, I fear is all of us on a pretty regular basis. Why did God allow what he could have prevented? Why is the person I love suffering? Why is the person Jesus loves suffering? Why is there death still when Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Why I prayed so hard Why did God not answer me? But we're also told that humans are like grass. We wither. We're like flowers. They fade. That we're just a blink of an eye. God is eternal. For some reason, we convince ourselves that God should do our will instead of his, if you would have dot, dot, dot. And in this case, he let Lazarus die, he knew he was dead, so that we could see that he's the resurrection. It's not that he is in control of the resurrection, he is the resurrection. We are Lazarus. We are born dead to sin, and we have life everlasting, not because of anything I've done, not because of anything you've done, not because you believe well, not because your doctrine is right, but because Jesus loves you and has chosen you. And the hardest thing, especially in a year, 2024, and what we all know is coming, and some of us are afraid it's going to get even worse. We want our way. But God plays the long game. His wisdom is greater than all of man's wisdom. In fact, the scripture says, even his foolishness is greater than God's wisdom. So when you hear yourself in prayer. I do it all the time. There's one thing I've been praying, of, praying about every single day since September 11, 2018. And I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to bargain with you. I'm not going to bargain with you. And then I start bargaining. I'm not going to give you any advice. <laughs> like I know better. And then I start offering, Lord, maybe you could do, maybe you could, maybe you could. So now it's, Lord, you know, the cry of my heart Do your will. And it is the hardest, if you knew what it is that I'm praying for, it is the hardest thing to just trust God. So this story is miraculous, and it's beautiful. But it does tell us something about us. If Lord, if Lord, if Lord. And even when he tells them what he's going to do, we don't get it. But I find comfort in the fact that God, in flesh, is angry of the suffering and the harshness and the difficulty of the life we live. I'm going to read a couple more words for you. Take off the grave clothes and let him him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. He, Here's this man performing many miraculous signs, and if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for one For that one man die for the people, then that the whole nation perish. And he said this not on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and for not only the nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. God gave the high priest a heads up that the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah, the Emmanuel, was going to die to save Israel, scattered all over in all the nations. And they saw that not as, oh, he's the one, but as we need to kill him to save us. So they took salvation into their own hands instead of putting it where it belongs. In the resurrection, in the life, in the light of the world, in the bread of life, in the the living water, in the one who, before Abraham, Isaac, was. So the gospel according to John is a beautiful creation of God through the one he loved to tell us don't think we've got it all figured out. We don't know the way through this life, but we do know the way, the truth, and the life. So folks, come what may, when the ifs come up, remember that's doubt, sprinkle with some anxiety, and a touch of blame toward God. And if that's not who you want to be, then the alternative is to decide that you are whose you are over what you want. Let's pray. Lord, great story. Miraculous sign. In fact, Lord, in this gospel, this is your last miraculous sign other than the resurrection And I fear, I know for me, so I fear for us, that, that, that we don't really get it day to day. We get the end, but we don't necessarily get the strategy. The Lord, our, our natural desire is to know what's coming next, but none of us do. But you remind us in stories like this, that we don't know what comes next, but we know the one who does. And he is trustworthy and merciful and graceful. And he's angry that the world is still the way it is and wants to make it right. So, Lord, to him be all praise, glory, and honor. Blessed is the lamb who was slain on our behalf, who makes it so that even though we die, we live. Bless you, Lord God.